What's with these homies dissing Stewie? Why are they not all epic? What did we ever do to these guys to make them hate Family Guy? But I know they love it. And they know I'm right. And it's so freaking sweet. I just love the talking say about Family Guy. It's way better than American Dad. It's way better than American Dad. Bang, bang, Cleveland fell out of the bathtub onto the ground. Oh, God, what do we do? Do a cutaway of elephant poop or how Disney Channel's really bad. What's the matter, babe? You don't like this? I'm a reasonable guy with refined taste. King of the Hill is fine by me. <laughs> So, um, oh my, everyone good? I am, Maybe I am ready. <laughs> I, I'm fucking jacked off right now. I'm ready to go. Okay. I'm so excited. Congratulations. You did it. You did it, Noah. <laughs> everyone clap. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, chefs, for that one. Uh, we this. Welcome to It's on the List, a podcast about <laughs> underrated movies, music, and much, much more. Uh, I am the funny talking baby, Noah Marger, and with me as always is the funny talking dog, Mason McGuire. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it's going, uh, it's going really well. It's been another, it's another week in Chicago, but it's cooling down. The city is beautiful. I'm, uh, I'm just chilling, and I'm very excited because this week we have the special chef himself. We do, and I have a. Uh, I, I perfected the intro for the chef last time okay. we recorded something. Oh so. my god, you have to you have to do it again. <laughs> I have to do it again. <laughs> he does have Good to luck. Do it again. He does have to do it again. Joining us for the second time on this show, we have a returning guest today. You liked him so much the first time that we waited <laughs> almost a year to bring him back. So gotta keep the anticipation going. Yeah, yeah. You, no, you can't have you can't have this guy all the time, or else what's no, the point it's of too much energy. To no, yeah. so. Our guest today is an epic bacon slice with a side of same. <laughs> oh, wow. Put it on my grave. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, he is the former editor-in-chief of Merry Go Round magazine. He is the number one Gek fan. He's the host of Stirred Spirits podcast. And our first date 
is a podcast. Don't know if we'll be getting more episodes <laughs> of that in the future, but nonetheless, <laughs> we have those two back catalogs to go yes. through. One that's quite <laughs> bigger than the other, I will say. Oh, yes, say. very much so. Uh, he is also the host and sole content creator at Gatorade Gourmand on Instagram. That is and true. of course, of course, he is a real-life chef with his zine in the works, the Little Chef Collective, a zine mm-hmm. of people's favorite recipes that will be available for purchase very soon. All of those proceeds will be going towards saving the USPS, also known as the United States Postal Service. Yes. And, of course, of course, I have to say it. You have my, to do it. <laughs> my former professor yes. yep. at Chapman University, <laughs> where I was awarded academic credit for turning in nonsense in the Chapman radio class. That is where I first feasted my eyes on this man. And yes, I was very scared of him. <laughs> and now he is very scared of me. So I to say, yes. say the tables have fucking turned. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show, the long-awaited return <laughs> of Thomas Saradarian. What's up, Thomas? Hello, hello, stoners and boners. It's another night in the suck, as you know, and love to hear me say. I'm here <laughs> to podcast again instead of doing any of the things Noah mentioned that I do. Uh, I've walked away from a cake. I am not designing the Little Chef Collective zine. I am here chatting to the two jokers of the world out there, Noah and Mason, after an electric appearance on my favorite podcast last week that <laughs> shook the world by a storm. controversial appearance, a controversial to be appearance. I lost three Instagram followers the day that was posted, <laughs> probably for the better, as I'm sure the content will only get worse as the years go on. Uh, yes, it's like that Keith Urban song, Days Go By, but it's content goes by, and it just yeah. keeps getting shittier it's and shittier. getting worse and worse and worse but thank you to anyone who is listening only because i was on this podcast the last time uh, yeah. i believe i would like to toot my own horn and tickle um, my own sensibilities here with by saying i am the star guest officially right yes okay <laughs> glad fuck guys come on fuck. yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no this the the geck episode which was the season one finale the last episode we ever recorded in LA, 130 listens as of this recording. So, yeah, we're going to be sitting on Chapo money soon. You keep having. I can't back. wait. I'm getting the yeah. Patreon ready. We will have. Uh, we will. <laughs> I'm you know what? You know what? Mason already. literally said to me once about the Patreon off mic. This was crazy that he said this to okay. me. He said, "If we ever did a Patreon." I wouldn't charge people money to use it, is what he said. I think that's how <laughs> no, no, I think I don't know. I would charge people one buck to get all the content because that's all you should. Not a good business model, though. You yeah. gotta get them off the get them off the team. Yeah, I know exactly. I will this be making this financial. This is why we decisions. do this show for free. Is because yeah, if, there was, if I was. The... <laughs> Also, I think my body knew, Thomas, that you were going to be the guest today because, no joke, I think I've sh- shit about four or five times today, and it has that been... That is part of my brand. It has, been, it has been not liquid, 
but loose. So. <laughs> That's very. Thank you for associating that phenomenon with me. I too have some digestive problems. I have a sour tummy. I will probably need to take an intermission in the middle to to do that. So I'm glad that we've been forecasting these possibilities. Mason, how are your bowel movements? Yeah, you've been shitting today, bro. I've been doing great. I've been eating oatmeal every morning. Oh, that'll keep you regular. That'll keep you regular. Yeah. Yeah, keep, keeping. I've been keeping regular, guys. Uh, so far today, I've had a, a quarter of a breakfast burrito and two white claws, so I'm feeling real <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the most evil concoction I can think well, of, to be honest. Well, it's an evil episode. We've <laughs> head for the listeners today. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, is notori- notor- notable about the Chef Thomas appearances is we start with the movie. When Chef Thomas comes, yeah. because yeah. the album is always more interesting. It doesn't make, really matter what it is. We make rare exceptions for for the, our usual well, thing here. I gotta uh, say, I, mm-hmm. I well, we have I have a lot to say about the movie as well, but I don't want to jump the gun. Do the people know what we're talking about? If they yes, if they've read the, the yes, well yes, because we post about what we're doing before we. Oh, so we, you assume everyone? <laughs> I assume at least anyone that likes the post, <laughs> and I know fair. I have gotten two DMs excited about the album today, uh, <laughs> specifically okay, calling okay. out the album. So, <laughs> but first things first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a movie. Thomas, the movie this week that you brought on the show. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, what the fuck is there to say about this? This is 2006 Nacho Libre, mm. directed by Jared Hess, starring Jack Black. Uh, <laughs> Chef Thomas, I will be the first to admit okay, that I have okay. gone through your five stars on Letterboxd yes. many yes. times because it is the dumbest variety of films <laughs> ever collected under the sun. Yes. You have such things as, and not to you know completely ruin your life with what I'm about to say, <laughs> five stars from Thomas Saradarian are not limited to, but include Annie Hall by Woody Allen. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, the four-hour epic, Shion Sono's Love Exposure. Yes, that is correct. Who he, which he threatened to bring on the show last I've, time. I've happily suggested it twice, and I keep getting <laughs> shot down. Yeah, but listen, there's a long movie I want to bring on the pod, and we just, I, I have to, it's got to be the right time, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Um, and as, you know, as well, you have those two, and five stars from Thomas Saradari on Letterboxd, Nacho Libre. That is, so, is correct. What what's going on with Nacho Libre? Why the five stars? Well, so to 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 defend myself, I don't believe that a movie can be an objective five stars. So five stars I give to movies that mean something to me or define a particular part of my life. So Agreed. these are all movies that that struck me particularly strong at one point or another over these twenty six accursed years that I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. Nacho Libre. I this is like comfort food to me. Like I watched it last night at 2 a.m. and I'm just smiling like a loon the whole time, <laughs> hooting and hollering. Like this puts me in the best mood just immediately. I just love this film. Uh, I saw it first on Fourth of July, 2006, uh, with uh, Letterbox celebrity Arette Frost. Shout out to him, even though he does not listen to this, <laughs> he will not be <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah. And what you need to under- just and we saw it with his dad, who was just miserable and despised the experience, but. 
the amount of power that that filled 2006 us with was it was like electric like you could feel us jolting and jiving in the movie theater spilling popcorn and soda everywhere just filled with this 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 ramming force of kineticism and chaos and we we ripped out of the movie theater and we didn't run to my house. We got in his car and properly buckled our seatbelts and got driven to the house. Yeah, but yeah, once yeah. there, we just we just ripped off our shirts and started wrestling. It was just this need, this need to just 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 burn all of this excitement. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced. Just like a nine volt battery to the Johnson, but the mentally, and I and I can't. And that's just stuck with me. And this was just the the de facto sleepover film throughout all of middle school exactly. eric ramirez's sixth grade birthday party we had a bouncy house and we just cosplayed as the nacho libre characters yes. it was just this was just this was like this was it this was the movie yeah. um, even to this day yeah even to this day i just i if i put it on i'm just instantly in a good mood i mean obviously i had to rewatch it for this podcast but Back last year when I was kind of in the downy dumps, it, sometimes, you know, it was Dylan Brady saying, pick it up and stupid horse. And it was Nacho Libre that got me through at the end of the day. So Absolutely. I just have, I have a deep love and adoration for this film and I can't wait to hear about how you guys don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say the old, like it was like the sleepover film because I had never seen this movie prior to this podcast. Yeah, and, I and, feel like this is, and I feel like this is one that you either absolutely could not get enough of when you uh -huh. were younger absolutely despised or you just had never seen it was just mm -hmm. one of those there's mm -hmm. not really i feel like in between i don't think anyone gives nacho libre like a three star i think it's it's got to be with one or the other <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly so mason you said you had not seen this ever before never seen it ever before uh i'd seen i had seen uh this is now my third jared and jerusha hesh movie after of course napoleon dynamite that was that movie was a big deal back in the day. Oh, remember definitely. Fucking Napoleon uh, I remember I'm just gonna dox everyone I went to middle school with. I remember Dylan Bright um, was even was so far into the Napoleon Dynamite uh, cult that he there was even a really shitty sports drink they marketed uh, that oh, was branded boy. Napoleon Dynamite. I remember he brought that to soccer practice and I was really pissed because I wanted it. <laughs> That's that was your Joker moment. You're like, I could be drinking energy drinks. I could be drinking instead. sugar <laughs> <laughs> instead of fucking kicking balls around. Water, yeah. Um, uh, and that's why I am the way I am today. Sure. That's so funny. Oh my god. Uh, but I had also seen Gentleman Broncos my freshman year of college. I've heard that's a real stinker. It's. <laughs> Maybe someday, but <laughs> never seen Nacho Libre before. And also, like, I don't know, this kind of whole era of studio comedies was more or less shut out to me as a kid because my parents didn't like them. And so that we wouldn't go to the movies to see them and also wouldn't, like, rent them. And I also lived far enough, uh, far away from kids, so it was just kind of like whatever's at the library is what I watched Just a lot you of. and your parents watching erudite films alone in your <laughs> tiny house. <laughs> Just watching the sum of all fears our, our and Mason's dad <laughs> shooting a gun into the ceiling every time anyone holsters a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just going, oh my god, it's Morgan Freeman! Holy shit, holy more, shit! It's more like me watching Clear and Present Danger by myself in my bedroom because of the VHS at the, we had the VHS at the library. But, missed this movie. Uh, missed a lot of those movies, and so this is my first time watching it, and, uh, uh, man, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting from this movie. Um. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, so... I remember I was, how old was I? Well, Napoleon Dynamite came out in 2004, right? Am I correct Six. on that? 
I oh, it, it didn't come out. No, it's Nacho it Libre '06. No, no, Nacho Libre came out in '06, so that means okay. that Napoleon Dynamite had to come out. It's like four or five, yeah. So uh, let's yeah. whatever it was. I was let's say I was seven years old when. I mean, is that true? Can you just say <laughs> you're seven, or do we have to do a hypothetical? <laughs> well, I, we're gonna have to go get my fucking birth certificate, which is in the <laughs> yeah. basement. You know, is where all the, my other precious things are. Um, and I remember it being a thing. I was a little bit too young, I think, at the time to, like, fully appreciate that phase because that movie hit this really interesting sweet spot. It was before Juno, which yeah. Juno I consider yeah. to be, like, the indie darling. Yeah, no, like, I think that definitely was a paradigm shift in terms of how that scene could reach. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just remember my older cousins loving Napoleon Dynamite and just being absolutely obsessed with it. Like we were visiting them in Washington and I remember I was playing NBA Live 05 with my okay. older cousin. Yes. Shout out. <laughs> yes. What's his name? Ari? Ari. Absolutely. Yeah. Has, Ari, shout out to Ari if you're listening. He will not be. I've not spoken to him in years. Okay, <laughs> um, thank you, Ari. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Chef Ari. Hope you're yeah. doing okay. Um, I just remember, like, being like, you know, and you love your older cousins because they're older and they're, like, cooler. But they're kind of scary. They're kind of yeah. scary. You don't really understand their world. Um, and so I remember we were playing NBA Live 05, and he, whenever he would, like, make a basket or do something mm. cool in the game, he would be like, yes, and, like, say it like Napoleon Dynamite. And, yeah, like, yeah. be, like, epic in that way. You know, he would be fucking sick. And so I would be like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, it's Napoleon Dynamite. And then his mom was like, you need to put that on for him right now and show him. Well, that's not the reaction I would have expected. I thought you were like, don't, yeah, don't do it. Not this. a mom movie in my experience. Yeah. But his mom was like, show him. And so I very distinctly remember the opening credits of that movie are all the foods. Yeah, and the yeah, credits yeah. Are spelled okay, out. Uh, I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so I remember that. And then when I was old enough to fully appreciate the movie, I watched it. And I got to be honest with you guys. This might be a hot take. I kind of think Napoleon Dynamite overrated a little bit. I agree because I actually tried rewatching it about a month ago. Or not a, yeah, I think it was almost exactly a month ago. And I, had, it, I thought it was fine. I was like, oh, yes, I clap when I see the, the lines I knew. <laughs> yes, but exactly. but yeah. I, I, it, did not, it did not capture me. But I got to say, Nacho Libre still gets me. I'm just floating <laughs> along with it alone in my room. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you have this guy who's basically – the Mormon Lonely Island, basically, is what yes, he is. Yes, that's, a, that's yeah. a good way. That's a good way of describing Jared. So Bess. it's like everything that you would want to do and say when you're seven or eight years old and you're in that world. Uh -huh. But this is a 35 year old man doing it because yeah. he's still thinking in that mode. In that way, yeah, yeah. Um, Mason, I don't know about you. Thomas really wanted to upset us this episode, but I got another piece of spicy news. I loved Nacho Libre. Really? Legitimately? <laughs> yes, oh, legitimately. I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> what about you, Mace? It's uh, it's very sweet. It's charming. Okay. You can't deny how charming it is. Like, yeah. I get why it puts you in a good mood. Like, it's just so, um, it's just, it's, 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 yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it. I'm not quite on love yet. We're seeing okay. each other. You've been a couple days. You're seeing each other. You're seeing Nacho Libre. Yeah, we can you're, say you're that we're seeing him. each other, yeah, but okay. we're not in a relationship. Okay. You yeah. Know? Like, oh, you know. He's saying uh, to text you through Signal because he doesn't want the messages to show up on the iMessage when he's at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, yeah. Wow, that's kind of kinky. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm at with Nacho Libre. Um, 
Well, I've we've fucked each other for years now, me and Nacho. We, we <laughs> we're we're still in the throes of love. It's like that Kevin Smith tweet about uh, her. her what is oh, it? Pones yeah, my cheating on each other with each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, folks. Uh, you know, you have all of this weirdness going on. You have all of this like silliness going on. And then you have Jack Black in a terrible Mexican accent. So, uh, if we're opening with we discussion of the accent, okay, okay, we do. We have to open this book. I thought we would wait a little bit towards the end to discuss that. My, so, none of us are qualified to offer a definitive take on whether this is problematic or not. The way no, it's Jack zero Black percent of this podcast is. So, don't listen I, to this podcast for to form a political opinion. Yes, please. I. I think that here's what I think. I think that this movie would not and should not be made in 2020 with Jack Black as the lead. Sure. Uh, I think it would not not make it to that stance. And I think that um, obviously, you know, casting someone who is white to play someone who is Mexican is problematic. We know that. We're acknowledging that on Mike. For me, why it skirts being striking or flagrant is just that it's so over the top that i can't even necessarily say if i heard it in a vacuum i would be like oh that's someone trying to do a mexican accent it's like you know what i mean it's just it's so it's so over the end zone and it's like sometimes he sounds french sometimes it's italian (laughs) like i understand that we're coded to process it as a mexican accent but i genuinely do not know like if you showed this to linguists or whatever they'd be like oh that's a guy a white guy doing a racist mexican accent yeah i will I also say the level of like danny mcbride and observe and report where you just really do have to take a breath with that one when it comes on <laughs> yeah you know um and it's eh, yeah i not qualified to talk about this at all it, it, it was a little like, because mm, I'm seeing this in 2020 for the first time. And I'm, but if this, like, to, to your point, Thomas, this movie was made in 2006. And there's a thing, that I, I wrote this down early in the movie. There's a thing that I like about this movie it, is it's played so um, sincerely. Yeah. Um, and it can be super silly because it still has, like, a fundamental underlying respect of at least the catholicism of it or the religious or the religion and kind of like the world that this movie is in and jack black you know it's it's odd because this movie in my wikipedia search of it did come up that it was maybe loosely based on an actual mexican hispanic guy a mexican guy that uh was a wrestler and worked in a monastery and used the winnings to support the church and the orphanage and in this movie they kind of get away from it a little bit because they make like his mom a Swedish missionary or something like that. Yeah, he's his father. Yeah, I think, is, a, is, a, is a European missionary. Um, yeah, I will say though the movie and the movie does it, every other role is cast is not a white person. So I mean, the no, movie clearly right. had some, it, you know at least some of its heart in the right place. And I and also I think the clear the clear distinction between this and something like you know Rob Schneider. Do, doing a wide variety of, uh, of yeah. uh, what, what, what did Tina Fey say? Race changing makeup um, in Adam Sandler films is that in in Adam Sandler films, even though you know we have a long, complicated history with the Sandman, I do love the Sandman. Those caricatures are clearly meant to poke fun at like yes. what that's portraying. Whereas this film is not like 
they're not making fun of anything. Like Nacho is like a character. No, and it's also like it. It also like it makes in the movie it does like kind of have a, a a touch of thematic sense to make him even more of an outsider than he like already kind of feels. You know. Yeah. Um, and yeah i mean that's just my only thought on that even if it does still kind of like i don't know no what do you think about this how do you feel about the con- the <laughs> listen uh you know in 2020 jack black would not be playing this part like we have well established in 2006 he's absolutely playing this part in every single timeline <laughs> yeah and exactly do i think that it is quote unquote the right choice for the time period i can certainly understand the choice in 2020 yeah we're getting someone like the guy who's that guy who what is his name i can't remember it's the guy who's a scientologist and he's in the ant-man movies oh michael Pena. yeah michael yeah. Pena. Yeah, okay. yeah yeah that would be, that's a good cast yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would love to see michael Pena in this if it were to if we were to see the 2020 if reboot to, if we were to reboot nacho libre <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and get you know it going again, but this podcast is now in service of a Kickstarter for that endeavor. We <laughs> yeah. will be financing the reboot. <laughs> 100% of the proceeds from the Patreon go to funding that movie. Go to Michael Pena, Nacho Libre. Yeah, <laughs> all all 19 of our patrons, all $19 yeah. if we're doing it <laughs> yeah. the Mason way. <laughs> yep. Um, but besides that aspect of it, I want to talk about Jack Black as a performer just real quick because not only – Jack Black is a very interesting actor in the sense that we've seen Adam Sandler be a comedian and do drama. We've seen Jim Carrey do comedy and then be able to go in service drama as well. I know Jack Black has done some things that aren't overtly comedic, but this movie made me believe that he is capable of doing a drama on the level of Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler. Mm. And I want to see it. Nacho Libre. Because there are scenes between him and Lady Encarnacion mm-hmm. and scenes where he is talking to the orphans, talking to the children, that made me believe this guy can do it. He has the extra gear. There are some actors like we talked He's about last week. He's such a good character actor is the thing. Um, and not yeah, yeah. Say just what like, you will, yeah, about the yeah. specifics, but he really does give his all to this yeah, role, he, I would he, say. You know... Um, He's a good character actor. There's, you know, there's still the underlying Jack Blackness between Nacho and, like, say, the, uh, uh, the, the Dewey, Dewey, what's this character's name? Dewey Finn. Dewey Finn, yeah. Dewey Finn. Or, um, uh, or the guy from Orange County. Or the guy from Orange County, yeah. Or even his, like, in his, his, separate from his, like, musician persona as well. Or in High Fidelity, even. I'm going backwards with my Jack Black. Totally. Um, and I was thinking, like, the, you said dra- Jack Black drama, and I was just like, oh, wait a minute. Remember when Jack Black was in Peter Jackson's King Kong? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks was his little sidekick in that movie. That'd be getting the Orange County gang back together again. They're like, <laughs> it worked so fucking well. It worked so well. Let's Peter Jackson let's, was yeah, like, they were, begin to, they were about to begin production on uh, King Kong, Peter Jackson, and he had not cast those two in his movie yet. And to take his mind off of it, he went to see a screening of Orange County that, oh, I- he was like, I've got a crazy idea. <laughs> he learned from the masters, Jake Kasdan, Jake Kasdan, yeah. and Jake Kasdan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's up yeah. Thomas you were going to say up, something Thomas. Yeah. Um, I forget where I was what I was going to say but in terms of so are we still on Jack Black in this yes, role yes. 
Yeah, no, I just think that, and, and we will not be uh, tr attempting to imitate the Nacho Libre accent. I would like to assure all the listeners. No one thought we were going to do that. The fact <laughs> that you even said that is crazy. No, it's not on anybody's mind, but uh, please share. <laughs> I was, well, I wanted to say, because I was going to say some of his lines. He just, he, he brings such a certain, uh, like his delivery of these are just so unique. And it's like, you just, I don't think, it seems like something almost not planned because it's just not how people, it's not how cadence works or how expression yeah. works or just it the way of... that he can interject just like and just make lies just like save me a piece of that corn save me a piece of that corn <laughs> <laughs> Funny, i don't know why um but... he is he's such a gifted comedic actor and such a gifted <laughs> physical performer that not only is he the best part i think of this movie by far and kind of makes the movie more or less he has been in some stinker movies yeah and oh, he is time always the best part of those stinker movies saving silverman is a fucking awful movie <laughs> and he is far and away the best part of that movie jason biggs can suck my cock like straight up from that Philip movie Summer Hoffman and then along came polly performance of that yes movie? absolutely okay. oh, but wow. not not to obviously the PA, psh no, level of that seeing level. that and being like holy shit you're in along came polly but like he's easily like bringing the thunder and i feel the same way about high fidelity to be honest with you like it is john cusack's movie for all intents and purposes but i just think about jack black when i think about high fidelity like that's mm -hmm. what sticks out to me so i just wanted to give him special shout out uh obviously he will be my mercedes valuable player i hate when people keep asking me what does mercedes valuable player keep asking mean because it is so obvious what that means it's dumb when people ask obviously it is based on mercedes Ruel from married to the mob the 1988 yes. jonathan demi film if that is you, obvious if no you one listen to the podcast and with that episode with ian campbell people would know yeah. And it's just silly that people keep asking you. <laughs> it's silly that I get 155 DMs a day. More DMs than listens on my last episode. A day yep. you get asking yeah. you what the Mercedes valuable player means. Uh, the Nacho Mobile, as I like to call it, that little scooter that he drives yeah, around. Love it, that love is it. fucking, mwah, that is chef's kiss. It's a chef's kiss. Uh, I love also at the end where... Uh, it's like he's in the desert and then he like turns and it turns out he was next to that uh the village yeah. the whole time yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a that's one of my favorite jokes from the film um i don't know i just think there are so many the, the tone of this film is just i think impossible to replicate and i think in in some way i do think this is better than napoleon dynamite i will say i, yeah. because I think that mm. napoleon dynamite was very striking like i remember just yes. seeing that for the first time and just being like oh like i just don't have the cultural language to like process what yeah. what i'm experiencing but i think nacho libre is kind of the the more comfortable marriage between that like surreal heightened quirkiness but also just like a little bit more like human Absolutely. like there's something there's something alien about napoleon dynamite that i think kind of prevents yeah, me from like alien, engaging with like, it now yeah i think you're right i feel like if you watch napoleon dynamite now so much of like that character would just be like the famous lines like he's just an assemblage of just like like weird one-liners he's not really a character he doesn't really have any kind of desire or anything just like kind of it's weird because he's a odd guy in a small town in idaho or something that's what that movie is this one like nacho is actually a character and all of, everybody in this movie is actually like a character and distinct and has like their own like personality this is such a really well designed movie too i think and good looking totally. movie yeah just yeah, um, the, the color palette's amazing, and I gotta give a special shout-out. I legitimately, if you put a gun to my head, this is my favorite movie soundtrack. 
soundtrack. I think the music oh, in this is yes. amazing. It's All of the songs are just slam dunks. <laughs> I, the soundtrack itself is amazing. I actually did make special note of that as well, and I wanted to bring that up. Can, since we're talking about it, can I give you a quick Noah's Fast Facts about the soundtrack slash music score element of this film? Yes, sure. Yes. Okay, here's, my, here's, here's what I'm presenting to the judges' table, chefs. Okay. Here we go. This is straight from Wikipedia. <laughs> so... okay, thank you, thank you. All right, we're noting that down. Not very original. <laughs> it's on the record. <laughs> Director Hess, that's talking about Jared Hess. Director Hess originally wanted musical artist Beck to be behind yeah. the soundtrack for the film. Beck, being a fan of Hess, meaning he likes Napoleon Dynamite because once yeah. someone showed him. He just it loves him. this man personally. He just, like, gasses him up. He's like, Jared, baby. That's not it. I don't even know what That's I, Austin I, Powers. I it's, it's Beck imitating Austin Powers gassing Jared Hess. <laughs> Going, you make such groovy movies, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so, Beck uh, is a fan of Hess. He accepted. However, Paramount Pictures did not think Beck's style, which is also interesting because Beck changes his style every single album, so kind of a bullshit Okay, insight. a little bit of music uh, criticism there. <laughs> <laughs> Beck's style fit the movie, so composer Danny Elfman was brought in to replace him. Elfman then wrote a full score and recorded it in May of two, uh, 2006. However, only about two-thirds of Elfman's score ended up in the movie. <laughs> Due to how much of Elfman's music filled the film, Elfman's representatives asked that Elfman be the only person credited for the score. Hess caught wind of this and would not allow the studio to remove Beck from the credits. When okay. finding that he would not have the only music credit, Elfman told Paramount to remove his name from the film entirely. Hell yeah. This is so much drama for Nacho <laughs> Libre. I know. An agreement was eventually reached where both Beck and Elfman were credited for their respective I'm, parts. I'm glad. I also love that Paramount had enough of an opinion of what this film is and what it meant to their catalog that they told musicians, no, you <laughs> cannot score Nacho Libre. I can imagine it's like Beck and Elfman walking into Willy Wonka's office, which is Paramount, <laughs> and them just being like, you both get nothing. Understand? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you are bad children. You broke the rules. You get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then they so, released the film to just lose a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> just a fucking shit ton of money. Just, they're bath. throwing it from the rafters. fucking bath. <laughs> um, so that's my little fast fact about the uh, about the music. There's another little. There's other. Actually, two little other fast facts that I can rattle off uh, if you'd like to hear them, Chef, and then we can talk yes. about some of the other fun parts. There is a video game adaptation of this film that was published by Majesco Entertainment. I, was I, I, was, I thought that that was a Mandela effect in my mind, but it was a Game Boy game, right? Nintendo DS is what N I have. Nintendo DS. Yeah. Damn, it was Nintendo okay. DS game. It is the cartoon-style wrestling game based upon the film. I would have loved to have played a Nacho Libre yeah. cartoon wrestling style game. That's the perfect thing. Yeah. No, I think that, that, that it's crazy to me. I mean, well, it's not crazy. I think the film was a failure, but this feels like that era of like, you know, Shrek brawl for the PS2 <laughs> or something. Where like a Nacho Libre fighting game, like that would have been a Christmas hit. Like I would have just like, came by i don't even i don't think i even could come at the point that <laughs> 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 effectively 
I would retcon it so I could come when I would, I would get that. I gift. would rewrite the script so that I was just shooting ropes at the age of eleven. Or <laughs> 11 uh, just to play, get that game at Christmas. That would have been electric. It would have been electric. Um, there's also a rumor in two, November of 2006. Jack Black was asked. Uh, he expressed interest in maybe doing a sequel, and here's what he said. I sure hope so. I love working with Jared. That means I think- no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a god no done to his head. <laughs> I think it's a good bet that we'll collaborate on something again. Mike, talking about Mike White, who is the one of the credited writers of this, and Jack Black's neighbor, at least at oh. the time of making Orange County. I don't know if they were still neighbors at this point. but That's uh, fun. At minimum, former neighbors. Mike had an idea that it would be Nacho goes to Japan. We'll see. No, that was his no, quote. <laughs> I'm gonna, Mike, I'm gonna say that's probably not the best idea. <laughs> that will be. That will not be in the reboot we're financing. Michael Pena will be more than happy to stick to North America in his exploits. I would love it. It's crazy now because like all those wrestlers, Dave Bautista, John Cena, are actually actors now. It would be crazy to see John Cena go up against in our reboot Michael Pena and him being like the but little like scared like, guy. Really, yeah heightened uh wrestlers yeah. yes exactly who, who would play ramses oh i well i think that's got to be batista right yeah that's that's a good pick for for ramses yeah. um the speaking of that jack black's song at the party like that will just come <laughs> yes. into my mind at random points in my adult life at work i'm just like i am singing at the party <laughs> it's kind of it's just it's like cute beyond belief to be honest with you yeah it's just adorable and it seems like something jack black like improvised on the spot and like it has that energy but yeah um yeah i just think that this this film is just i don't know it, it's really it, it has like a a a sincerity that that it, that couldn't be faked almost like absolutely these yeah. are characters you care about like and i think as we've kind of mentioned that's the difference between this and napoleon dynamite where it's like we're laughing at napoleon or like you know what i mean or like kind of totally. like, yeah yeah or being being sad at him but with this like you still sort of feel for nacho like his big speech about i get to wake up in the morning and make some soup it's the best. Like that's me, you know, at my full-time office job. That wasn't what I want to pursue. Like, you know, like there is, there is, there's a lot of relatable themes here about like, you know, following your dreams and having to like kind of fake it till you make it and stuff that I think it kind of reaches through, you know, the quirkiness of him saying, would you like to join me in my quarters tonight for some toast? Exactly. (laughs) And Nacho is a chef, which we only discovered on this watch. Uh, one of my favorite lines that I love to quote is, have you not realized I've had the diarrhea since Easter? <laughs> I think that Nacho's got to pick up his game in the kitchen, but, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't realize that they were the Lord's chips and that's, that's his I love that the chips are just in some dirty bag. Yeah, <laughs> the Lord's the chips. I love the way he, he blows them. <laughs> He's doing like the, the revamp, the lunch scene. <laughs> I'm about to say, I want to pick up a quick thread that uh, Thomas, you put, that, or you pick you picked it up. I'm gonna put it back down, or whatever. However, that phrase yeah, goes. Okay. Um, I'm about to say the most Jewish thing I've ever said on this. Podcast. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I am Jewish. First and foremost. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I am Jewish. Very first and foremost. So uh, when he is out in the desert and he is like exiled himself, yeah. you know, it looks so damn hot that I literally said under my breath, 
man, I really hope he's wearing sunscreen and they lather him <laughs> <Really>? up. <laughs> he was whispering I like, sweet nothings to the screen. <laughs> I just said, like, God, I hope he's wearing sunscreen, like, out loud <laughs> while I was watching that scene. Uh, Mason, what is your Mercedes valuable player for Nacho Libre? I, I, I couldn't choose. I couldn't choose. So I'm just going to do two Mercedes valuable players. As this Co-Mercedes valuable player award. My first Mercedes valuable player... This is not an order of preference. This is just how I, it, they occurred to me to get these. Is my first Mercedes valuable player is to farts. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wait. I have to interject. I have to interject. Yes. So yes. I I in my sophomore year storytelling structure class, I did a presentation on Nacho Libre that was, and they were supposed to be twenty minutes. Mine was an hour and a half. <laughs> no. One what? Of the, one of the arc threads that I picked up on was that actually. The farts have an arc, whereas at first it's it's like it, it it's, he farts and he like falls and he can't make the jump. By the end, he's learned so much and his heart is so strong that when he farts, he soars like the eagle. The eagle yes. has for the final touchdown. Yes, yes. And my professor was like oh, crying, not literally, literally, but like metaphorically crying at the end, both because he he just was reconsidering everything in his career that would have led him to see this, but also because he was like, this is very thorough and the best presentation that <laughs> ever the, the farts are narratively sound and i would like to give a shout out to the writers for making them a thematic arc and who what professor just for the chapman heads all the lino for all you oh Panthers yes out there. Yeah. my my friend used to call him the wizardly fellow he is a wizardly fellow he has very soft spoken <laughs> has long hair but yes the farts mercedes valuable player great pick my second mercedes valuable player is the unofficial theme of the movie in my eyes it's the song religious man by mr loco yes it is so good mr loco my a girl who i went to high school with her brother is in mr loco no way oh shit that's yeah. really cool yeah 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 um what was her name shout outs allison i think you got married so i don't know your last name anymore but th- shout outs to your brother uh, shout outs to allison's brother baby that song is amazing I've, un- i listen to it on spotify it's great it's not on Spotify. You have to go oh, to YouTube oh, and listen I'm to a liar it. Then. Oh. <laughs> you are a dirty fucking liar, dirty asshole. Fucking liar. It's not on Spotify, but no, that song. Uh, that song, and it's kind of just like um, very sincere, goofy pride in its uh, sort of the the character of the song. The religious man mirrors pretty accurately. Excuse me, um, Nacho as a person and as a character, and it's kind of the perfect song for the. Um, mood of the movie captures the tone really well and i don't think the movie would be have quite it's it would still be sweet but it gets that little extra little extra of splenda because of that song yes. that's why it's my mercedes. the extra cheese the extra, the extra cheese. cheese yeah the cherry uh, on top so to speak is that song and that's the cherries the cherries you, you love the cherry folks Come you on. love <laughs> you love the cherry uh i do i pick a mercedes valuable player as well because i don't yes. believe i've officially picked one you you will, but I actually have to give my official rundown of the Mercedes Valuable okay. Player, and we want to cap it off with you, okay. since you are the guest. Yeah. So, my Mercedes Valuable I actually also have co-Mercedes Valuable Players, Mason. Look at that. We're on the same wavelength. I, listen, if we can't be Epic Bacon Sauce, at least we can be <laughs> 360 with no side scope. Of <laughs> with a side of same. So... My Mercedes, co-MVPs, one of which is the soundtrack of well as well, like Thomas said, 
genuinely a great soundtrack. I was like, wow, this movie has great music. We heard that there was, and that's how you knew it was going to be great because of the Danny Elfman back discrepancy (laughs) that occurred. That's a a great artist. Two great artists are fighting over credit on Nacho Libre. You know, that's a goddamn good soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) That is the golden goose of soundtracks from mid 2000s comedies. And then I actually, and we actually texted about this in the DMs. Uh, I love the editing in this film. I think the opening credit sequence is super well edited. Comedy is, you know, in a large part all about timing. And the editor in this, his name is Billy Weber. He <laughs> he does this in 2006. And here's his movies that he's done since doing Nacho Libre. Are you ready, Chef? I am ready. Nacho Libre. Barnyard. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Passion Play, which I don't know what that, I don't is. Know that is. The Love Guru. <laughs> yes, <laughs> King, yes. The Tree of Life, directed by Terrence <laughs> Malick. I Jack just, Reacher. What's that? What's that? Oh, Jeff? I just I gotta love the what we kind of talked about a little bit. We were riffing where Terrence Malick, like like Spielberg and Stagecoach, before he films, he watches Nacho Libre <laughs> to remember what cinema can be. Well, he is kind of a little bit of an edgelord because when he was cutting Thin Red Line, he was listening to Green Day, believe it or not. Okay, okay. Just like uh, James Gandolfini <laughs> has posthumously come out as a huge fan of Dookie, the Green Day album. No shit. Yeah, yeah that was a nice um, drop. Those who, are, I think whoever they, played Chrissy said that on the set of the Superior, James Gandolfini would just listen to Dookie in his, in his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that makes me, like, it's impossible not to love Gandolfini, but that's just like, Mm, the extra cheese. Yes, yeah. Um, so then he does Tree of Life in 2011, doesn't edit a movie for the next five years. Hell yeah. Yes. Taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a break. Then he does Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. And the last film that he is credited as the full editor on is Rules Don't Apply, which I believe was Warren Beatty's, like, trying to come back. Okay, yeah. I did not even hear of that. So, Warren Beatty, you didn't come back. <laughs> you didn't come back. You <laughs> lose. Well, the rules did apply, which is Warren Beatty is not a, his... I don't know. I heard that movie was interesting at the very least. So, uh, Well, I will wild. never see it, but I yeah, would love who, but to watch Nacho Libre again. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> So that is to say, Chef Thomas, what is your Mercedes Valuable Play I for think Nacho Libre? I think I got to also do a co, and one of them is going to be very loose because I just want to say more lines from the film. So I got to <laughs> list off some of my favorite lines from this. Please. Uh, of course, obviously, if you're a man, you wear stretchy pants in your room. It's for fun. That's a classic stretchy <laughs> yeah, pants. Uh, beneath the clothes, you find the man. Beneath the man, you find the nucleus. That's another one that gets me every time. <laughs> As I mentioned, save me a piece of that corn. <laughs> save me a piece of that corn for later. Actually, someone replied to my tweet about doing this with that. So that's, clearly, that's a line that, that Beautiful. sticks with people. And then I think, um, um, yeah, that. so those are some of my favorite. Oh, and then Encarnacion saying, my favorite color is light tan. And my favorite animal is puppies. I don't know why. But <laughs> beach volleyball. I love that shit. So that's one of my Mercedes Valuable players. And then I got to give it, I don't know the actor's name, Escalito, I pick as the secret sauce of this film. I think that obviously okay. Nacho is the most striking. I think Escalito is an amazing foil and straight man to Nacho. And that actor, the way that his just like sheer like awkwardness that you just like, you almost like, like you feel your, like you cringe a little bit, just like the way in which he delivers his lines and just like that smile he does where it's like very wide. Yeah. <laughs> you are uh, shouting out Hector Jimenez, yes, by the way. Yeah. 
the Lord's chips, obviously a great line. And then uh, I'm not a, I don't believe in God. I believe in science. I think that that's very funny in the locker room. And I think that, um, yeah, their fight too with the, I hate orphans, all the or- orphans in the world, you say it to my face. That's, yes. I think that's, you know, a key part of the film that would not work as well without Hector Jimenez. So I'm going to pick Steven Escalito as the, um, as the, as the, as my Mercedes valuable pick. It's a great pick. Great pick. It's an ass, it's, I would say it's a bacon epic sauce pick. It's a bacon epic sauce pick. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mason, do you recommend Nacho Libre? I, uh, I do. I mean, it's, I, it didn't come <laughs> to me. You're to do no, it. No, no. Yeah. But I mean, you could just, it, I don't have the, like the early association with it like you guys do. Like it came to me when I was 26 years old and it still, it reminded me of being that age, the age when I would have really liked this movie. And I'm sad that I didn't get a chance to see it, but I do like it. I think it's, I think it's ultimately good hearted, even if there's like a little stuff that makes you just kind of like inhale and cringe in 2020. But I also think that it's, it's a, you know, I think it's a sweet movie. I think it's hearts in the right place. And I think that it also, um, is just, it's, it's very, uh, very sweet, very sweet. That's what I'll say. So I do recommend it. Okay. There we go. Uh, I am very surprisingly going to recommend this movie. I genuinely thought I was going to hate it, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's kind of why it's not why I avoided it for all these years, but it wasn't, it was not, it was definitely the You're reason not rushing like, to check it out. <laughs> absolutely not. I was just like, I will get to this eventually or never. And that's okay. That's fine too. (laughs) (laughs) But watching this, I genuinely had a good time. And I told Matt Marger, shout out to my father, Matt Marger, uh, who I am living with right now during these pandemic times. (laughs) Shout out. It was his birthday recently. So legit shout out to the king. Shout out to the king. In the chat to Matt. Yeah, we love Matt. I showed him that, and all he had to say was, what the F is what he said. Wait, wait. Showed him what? All of Nacho Libre? No, I showed him the happy birthday, oh, Matt yes. M. Oh, what the F? <laughs> <laughs> what the F? Um, so shout out to the king, Matt Marger, uh, who does not listen to this podcast. Thank you, that's, that's but, good. Uh, oh, what did your um, mother think of uh, my favorite podcast with me last week, by the way? I'm going to see her tomorrow, okay. so I'm going to ask. Right, I'm going to ask. Oh, I can't I wait to hear. I can't wait to hear. Um, but I, I literally, I don't think I texted her, but I needed to have. Please don't listen to that episode. <laughs> so, um, but... I'm going to recommend this. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. And I even told my dad, I have to go watch Nacho Libre now for my podcast. (laughs) And he was like, fuck, that sucks. And then I came came upstairs after finished watching it. And he's like, so what'd you think? And I went, honestly, I really enjoyed it. Like it was really fun. And I didn't ever like belly laugh, but like I was smiling the entire time. It's a very pleasant film. It's a very pleasant film. So I have to give it a recommend. So Chef Thomas, bring us home. Do you recommend Nacho Libre? I, I I do recommend Nacho Libre. I will say though, and and again, we should offer the caveat: if you know you're going to be mad at Jack Black uh, sure. for his role, why make yourself mad? You don't have to engage with Nacho <laughs> yes. Libre. But you know, if you can acknowledge the problematic elements of that, and then also appreciate the film for the rest of what it does, then I would say absolutely give this a watch. I really do think that this is something that can hold up even if you're engaging with it in your mid to late 20s because it just ha- it's very cheery and wholesome. It just feels like something fundamentally good. <laughs> and I think that that can, you know, we all need a little bit of that right now. Someone texted me right at the tail end of watching it. Shout out to Preston Tolan. Shout out to Preston. Preston Tolan, don't know you, but shout out. 
he said, dude, what's up? So I sent him a, literally a photo of me watching Nacho yeah. Libre. And I was like, watching Nacho Libre for the first time, he said, oh, that movie has healing powers, is it's what he true. said. Eagle powers and healing powers, the same, one and the same. Oh, <laughs> I got, I got, I love the part where the guy, with that weird uh, guide guy just drinks the Yeah, Stormare, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Stormare. Yeah. That's, um, that's a great part. Well, chefs, we've reached the point in the show where we have to talk about the album now. Okay. Here we go. I think I am going to pee, as I do. So this is a great intermission point. See you shortly. Okay. Mason, go ahead and pause the Zoom recording. Okay. And we are back from the, uh, the big old pee break. Uh, Big old how's, draining the main. Vein. Yeah, how's the main? How's the vein feeling? Better. The vein is feeling refreshed. I also scurried <laughs> to the kitchen to check in on my cooking, and I think the cake is ruined uh, <laughs> due to my lack of of watching over it. So I would like to thank Mason and Noah. Of, yep. uh, it's on the list yep. for destroying my efforts in the kitchen tonight. <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm so happy that it's because we're talking mm-hmm. about Nacho Libre and then the album, <laughs> which uh, which <laughs> which. Should we? How does this work, reveal wise? Do you want to intro it? Do you want me so, to intro it? So, um, Thomas, why don't you go yeah, ahead well, and introduce I, the I, album? You should speak on this okay. album, please. <laughs> so, the album we will be discussing this evening is Farah Abraham's "My Teenage Dream Ended." Uh, Farah Abraham is the former sixteen and pregnant, and I believe teen mom star. Yeah. She had a brief uh, career as an adult video actress. And in 2012, I was going to say former Celebrity Big Brother contestant as well. Okay, shout out Farah. And uh, in 2012, she released her memoir, "My Teenage Dream Ended." And as I believe it was a code download, uh, I don't know <laughs> that officially, but I believe I read that somewhere or another. I believe it was a code download. You could also download the album of the same Very name, cool. uh, which we'll be discussing tonight. And it's kind of had a long and storied reappraisal on uh, the internet, especially the site RateYourMusic.com, which you may remember from yep. my first appearance <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. And it is, and as as any listeners who listen to this for me know, I am certainly a man that uh, lights upon striking things, things that surprise me, things that I've never heard or seen before. And I think this album, uh, before, so if you listen to this, post 100 gex you will hear some yeah. things which we will we'll talk about but before 100 gex i would say there was nothing no, like this I, in the world i don't think so either i don't know i it's it is it's it's one of the things that i appreciate about it so much and that i love about it so much is that this is a thing that purely belongs to farah abraham you you can't yes. put it in any other box Except that. It's like a pure work of art almost. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. I think, no, I truly, I think that, and, and and so in the general context of quote-unquote outsider art, it's kind of come come under some fire recently because there are lots of weird kind of snaps yeah. based on like who is presenting yeah. it, who is, who is producing it. But I think this is outsider art in the sense that it is a singular vision that exists outside the mainstream, so literally outsider art in that sense. And I don't know what what really beguiles me. What keeps me <laughs> listening to this album is just the the dichotomy between genuinely how sincere a lot of the themes and lyrics are, 
uh, coupled with <laughs> what it sounds like <laughs> now it's presented is just yes. fascinating because it's just like I and I and I truly do not mean this in an offensive way because as again mo for better for worse mostly for worse the things I believe about music I believe I never do anything ironically I'm not into things ironically I genuinely think this is a uh, an album worth listening to because I think that it comes from such a unfettered creativity that I could just never yeah. emulate and I'm not saying that like oh Fair Abraham's crazy like my brain just wouldn't make this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that that element of it is what draws me to it. Because I just, I've never heard anything like it. Okay. So, um, I need you guys to just listen to what I'm about to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, clear. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm envisioning, this is how I'm thinking right now. I am thinking <laughs> okay. as if. <laughs> okay. someone we made a you know how like podcasts will have those youtube clips where it's like you can just listen to the yeah. bit yeah <laughs> that's what i'm imagining someone discovering what i'm about to say as. Okay. okay so farah abraham she's kind of had a little bit of a tough life i just want to say that she has had yeah. some problems mm. she has had a lot of things to overcome so what i'm about to say nothing to do with her as a person I just want to make that very, very clear. Okay. I feel badly for her. This is the worst thing we've ever covered in the history <laughs> of this show. This is unlistenable. This is so bad that my Mercedes Valuable Player for this album was I drove to Subway Restaurant. There is a Subway Restaurant with a drive through where I used to live. I did the drive. <laughs> And you ha I wasn't going to play this over the car speaker while I was ordering my Italian BMT footlong sandwich. And so I turned it off mid-album. And the <laughs> my, my, my favorite part of the album was from the moment I turned it off to ordering the sandwich, to getting the food, to eating it in my car. And then turning it back on. That period of silence when I oh, was boy. in the subway drive oh, boy, was the best part of my listening experience to them, to this whole thing. This is unbelievably horrid. I can't recommend this. This is <laughs> evil. This is the worst thing we've ever I, covered on the show. I, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Uh, I think that the theme of this episode is unexpected heart. Yes. And I think that what Farah is and what she's singing about, it, there are genuine feelings of kind of loss and anguish and like, uh, Grief. you know, uh, lost relationships. Grief presented in very direct and ham-fisted ways. But in all honesty, kind of the 100 Gex connection to this album, first of all, the sound, this does often sound like someone trying to imitate 100 Gex, but because it came out before it, it's kind of interesting. But it's like, um, it, a lot of the 100 Gex lyrics deal with real and complicated emotions, but in very like direct and kind of almost simpl simplified ways. So, you know, when Farrah Abraham says, uh, uh, you know, I can only put so much into a song or um, what I think, that, hang on, there's a line I have written down. It's something where she's like, Sorry. Oh, I don't want to make mistakes. I still need to make yes, more mistakes. Yes, like, yes, yes. That's, that's one kind of my favorite lines. That's line. kind I... of a that's kind of a good, 
you know, that's a good stanza. And I don't know, I think that I will offer the caveat that this is not an album that I would, you know, this is not a first date no. album. This is not an album that I would sit sit the family down around to listen to. But I think that it is not an album that deserves to be dismissed. I understand your visceral reaction, but there is there is a there is a creative energy here that I just find unmatched because it's just so mind melting. You know what I mean? So when I was a freshman in college, Thomas okay. taught the uh the chapman radio class and that's where i first met him i remember very distinctly thomas saying one of the ways you could earn credit in that class was to write a music review and he went up at the front of the class and said i don't care this was at the end of the year when people were not going to pass the class if they did not do things and he said i don't care if you get on your word processor and write fuck you thomas fuck you thomas fuck you thomas over and over again and turn that into me, I will give you credit for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that is what I have to say to you about this album. Mason, I'm sorry I keep cutting in. I just fucking hated this. Continue, Mason. Um, uh, this is uh, a masterpiece. I love it. It's, I, uh, nope, yes, do I do. I think it. that there's a lot of interesting sort of abstract abstract pop stuff in this here is um my um <laughs> uh you pointed out which one was it i don't want to i want to make uh i don't want to make mistakes i still need to make more mistakes here's another just again for the listeners i sincerely love this album i think that this is just like with thomas it's you you what, what thomas said you can't. You can say pre-Gax. You could say pre-PC music or whatever. But it's really, um, you know, you read. <laughs> so here's what's happened with Sarah Abraham's life. If people don't know, and this is a, a song, an album that is really heavy feeling. I think because it's her working through as a 21 year old person, which is an ex- essential thing to remember. She's like, oh yeah, I guess I she's like 21 making this. You know, she had her child at 16 and the father of that child died in a car accident uh and then she was thrust like in the height of like the kind of reality tv show era as a young girl was dealing with like a ton of vitriol basically and this is an album about her that time in her life and it's so like abstract and weird and confusing because no one else has had Farrah Abraham's experience, basically. And the fact that this is tied with the memoir makes it like, this is her, like, statement about her life at that point. And it's genuinely affecting. And on top of that, the, uh, the and that's just the content in the lyrics here. But the production is so, like, sometimes just up and bouncy and incongruous because there's, like, the... The production, is, as far as I understand it, was made separate from any of the lyrics. Like, like Farrah had already recorded her section of the album to a click track, gave it to the producer, and the producer just, like, kind of made some beats around it. Um, and, and she wanted everything auto-tuned so yes. that everything would sound edgy, is what Cueva said. He want, she wanted it to be more aggressive. So, of course, in 2012, you throw auto-tune on that fucker. No, the truth. I had a note. The how she uses auto tune, I genuinely find mm-hmm. intriguing because it almost approaches like crunk core screamo levels of like breaking the instrument. I think it's. Uh, I specifically wrote down. 
um, on Without This Ring. Oh my God, uh, I love that song. Oh wait, it, so, wait, so, wait, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I gotta find what I'm talking You're about. Good. Uh, okay, sorry. Call oh, me another- act. It's like screaming into auto tune, and it's like it's like it's like clipping and filtering, and it's like I don't know. I think that that's fascinating for what is like intended to be this 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 pop album about kind of and nobody like nobody was like Um, this was this is a piece of art that's ahead of its time i think like genuinely ahead of its time and people were putting in the context like i remember this being like people were so like really annoying people on the internet or if you're an annoying teen like me you were really like anti-autotune for no other reason other than it was popular and you weren't basically you know like that's um yes but and so people were like I think at the time quick to dismiss this album and this sort of experiment with it. But I agree with you, Tom. With it, like she uses this as like and makes a case for it as a legitimate like instrument and piece of like kind of. And what's interesting about it is it's kind of bridging the gap, like in like kind of her gap and like just just like singing is not her innate talent. I would say, and the auto. I think is, that it's safe to say that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but the the way that the auto tune is used. Um, does create like this kind of other character to her to her voice, um, this very like kind of broken and haunted thing that expresses like kind of what's missing. Also, like filling the gap in the lyrics, and like it's this weird like kind of liminal, not quite like um, real, you know, quote unquote real production, not quite audit, like uh, it was compared derisively as I remember it to um, Rebecca Black's Friday. Um, which, um, uh, you know, what you can, like, also not a bad song. People didn't like that song, didn't like that video. No, no, yeah. My, my jeans and Friday are, I think, retroactively yep. genuinely mm-hmm. good yeah. Those ones songs. have turned around to be, like, actually mm-hmm. bangers, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. but at the time, nobody liked teenage girls doing autotune for whatever reason. And what you can say about Farrah Abraham's project here that you can't necessarily say about Friday is that this is a total, uh, holy, um, uh, uh, Farrah Abraham project. And the fact that it just exists makes me so happy. Um, because there are some songs on this that I think you can dance to, like, After Prom, which has this weird, like, kind of David Lynchy chorus. Absolutely. Which, like, this... That's, that's the, uh, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. Yes! Don't yes! yes! It's so haunting! It's it so sounds good. very... That one sounds like Eiffel 65. I also want to give a shout out to the song Unplanned Parenthood, uh, which has just an absolutely filthy bass. I wrote in my notes, hell yeah, I'm popping my pussy to this. Uh, <laughs> so the song yeah. Unplanned Parenthood, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yikes. Um, but I, I got to just give some, I, I do want to explore Noah's distaste for this, but I got to give some quick shout outs to other parts that I like of it. I think the first track is just, so striking it almost sounds like bill and brady's song 7-eleven drone and it builds into just that janky dubstep wobble that has nothing to do with the rest of the song and it's just like your ears are short-circuiting trying to find a you know a, a, a port in the storm uh i got a, without this ring the piano riff sounds like john carpenter i thought that that was very cool mm-hmm. um unplanned parenthood i mentioned on my own the riff on on my own feels like it waltzed off of a marshmallow or a porter robinson song that piano riff feels like it's ready for Electric Daisy Con- Carnival main stage. I think it's so interesting, just this completely unironic appreciation for like festival EDM that manifests on itself. And also the strangest song on this album, in my opinion, is The Sunshine State. It's like having yeah. a stroke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like Electro Clash. Her voice is like shifting several pitches by the word. It's just, it. it's fascinating. And I think it's really interesting. And I just, I can't imagine 
hating this album, but I do kind of want to explore why you seem so opposed to this, Noah. So is it that you don't agree with me and Mason? Is it that you think we're full of shit? Yes. Is it? I think it's both, actually, oh, to be quite oh, honest with you guys. Really? No, this thing, this thing is so unlistenable. There is just nothing about this to me that is fascinating to me it is broken to me it is like turning on a dishwasher and just noting that the fork can't find a place to sit still that's what it sounds like i don't have anything else to say about it in that regard i think it is the worst thing we've ever covered on this show and i kind of want my time back to be honest with you i I want the full 27 shut up mason (laughs) be fucking quiet while i talk about this i want my 27 minutes back while i want the time that i spent listening to this while i was eating my subway sandwich in the car to be refunded to my apple wallet that's what i want now i do think it is interesting to look at this as a piece of outsider art that thing does exist that idea i understand that idea if you're not under fully under the idea of what outsider art is think of daniel johnston think of someone like wesley willis there's this really cool uh, visual artist named ralph underwood who it was described as edward hopper meets andy warhol meets norman rockwell which i and i looked up some of his work it's very interesting i'm a fan uh, there is a man from The Wire named Andrew Nosnitsky, and he called it haunting and fascinating mess of outsider pop music. David Coppermore from The Atlantic said, it is to teen angst what Eraserhead was to domestic angst. David Renshaw of The Guardian considered it the weirdest record of the year, describing it as an ag, I don't know what this word is, agnosing, disconcerting clatter as if it was someone translating chart music into an alien language and back again. And here is where you are going to lose your juice, Thomas. In a 2017 review for Charlie XCX's Pop 2 mixtape, (laughs) Megan Garvey of Pitchfork retrospectively summarized it as Sweepingly ridiculed as one of 2012's worst albums, that judgment five years later fears wildly narrow-minded. It is a baffling work to be sure. Frantic layers of dubstep, EDM, witch house, and breakbeat seem to run in opposite directions as Abraham's absurdly auto-tuned narratives with about surviving the death of her husband, dot, dot, dot. After a first full spin of Pop 2, I couldn't shake the thought. This sounds like Farah, but yeah. But so when you hear all that, you don't you don't see any of that in this. I just I'm interested that you seem so unwilling, and this is not attacking you because I mean this no. is objectively a it's strange album certainly. But you there, I'm interested why it is you seem so unwilling to give it an inch. Is there something about this or the way it's talked about or presented that rubs you the wrong way on a personal level? I think it's that. There are people out there who like to find the worst things and make them seem as though they're actually some gift from God or have been some divine inspiration has been struck into them. So when I hear these people talk about this in that way, it genuinely gets gotcha. me mad. And it's irrational. It's, you know, whatever. But hearing these folks who are journalists, who are paid journalists, talk about it as if it is some divine piece or some undiscovered masterpiece to me it just pisses me I don't, off and that's really where it's coming I don't from. 
think though that we or even them are saying it's a masterpiece. All I I'm think I said masterpiece. Actually, okay, I don't Mason know. Mason masterpiece. All I'm saying is that it's it's what strikes me about this and so many other albums like this is just if it's something I have not been presented with, I think it is worth engaging with, and I think it's worth trying to understand yeah. where that comes from because it's like between this and the new Mac DeMarco album. Honestly, I would listen to this. I would rather listen to this. It's more, it gives me more of just like, huh? Yeah. Like it excites me more just because like, even if you, I can't say this album is good. I will say it's not a good album, but it is an album that is engaging. And I think that is what is the, the key difference or what excites me about this. That's fair. And I understand that. And I can understand how, if you are listening to it, with the want to or the like pretense of this is something that you've never heard before. This is something that is very striking. This is something that's very different. I can understand looking at it as if it is a grundle fly from the Cronenberg movie <laughs> yeah. crawling around in a glass yeah. box, you pointing at it and going, Holy shit. I can't believe <laughs> I'm seeing yeah. that, you know, as a freak show type thing, I, not saying that this album uh, is a freak okay. show, but as that concept, I understand why it would be interesting. I can't get around on I, that. Yeah, I can't. I, I, this thing is just so shocking and so peculiar and so of its own that you are forced to empathize with the artist there. Like, that's what I like about it the most. Is it like, I was not ready for whatever this album was going to be. Chef Thomas suggested it. And I kind of put off listening to it until like yesterday because I was like, the, Noah said in our group DM that this is an evil album. And I'm <laughs> like, I don't know if I can handle too many evil things here uh, in my life anymore. Uh, but I listened to it and I was like, the first time I listened to it, I went on a walk and then I ended up at Target. I finished listening to the album. God damn it, you and this fucking Target, this comes up. No, this is the Walgreens. Time. Actually, I went to the Walgreens. I went to the Walgreens for this one, actually. And it finished. And I thought about Gax and I was like, this sounds like Gax. <laughs> I thought about Gax. And Gax. I was like, okay, yes. I, I like this. I like this. This is a pre-Gax thing. And then the Spotify radio started. And the first song that came up after, uh, I think the radio, the, the song, so Finally Getting Up From Rock Bottom, which is a great, just great rah-rah song. Real same, rally. to be honest. The side yeah. of same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> and a side of yeah. same, it absolutely. So that finished after prom started. And then the next song that it gave me was uh, Julia Holter's C Calls Me Home. And that is an, I would not have guessed that. I wouldn't that. have either. I wouldn't have either. And then I heard that, and I'm like, oh, shit. I haven't listened to Julia Holter in a long time. I love Julia Holter. Spotify put these two together. I'm seeing it. And so today, after I finished work, Saturdays are my Friday, so it's my weekend. I could relax and listen to Farrah Abraham. And I just sat down. I put on my headphones. I listened to some Farrah Abraham, and I was like, God damn, I am actually moved by this. And, like, <laughs> I listen to a lot of music just, like, when I'm working, just to have background noise, or, like, when I'm going on walks, just, like, trying to, I don't know, just, like, trying to collect stuff. Not really, like, listening to it, it's stuff with some degree and reflecting on it. But with this, it just caused me to pause and be like, I am interested in what, like, listening to it the second time, I'm like, I am interested in what happens next. And then I put... I put fucking uh, without this ring 
on repeat and just listen to that for like three or four times in a row, which I also rarely ever do. I think Unplanned Parenthood is a great song and I would love to continue popping my pussy to it. I think that it's, it's amazing. I'm going to fucking have heat stroke from inside listening to you guys talk okay, about all right, all right. Hold on, hold on, this all right. way. Uh, I... You are you're 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 just a little mad, Noah. You're the you're the angry devil emoji. I, okay, we'll try another avenue. So, you what? We we keep referencing the Gex. Do you agree that this has sonic similarities to what a thousand Gex would eventually sound like? What a hundred Gex would eventually make? And why is your reaction to Gex? positive when people say the same things extremely about positive people people say the same things about them that you're saying about fairy abraham i think yes i do hear sonic similarities first and foremost um i think with gex there is an element of i want to say i guess humor for lack of a better mm, term okay that is so infused in gex whereas this to me just makes me cringe. It's really is. I think that is the differentiating. There is a lack of self-awareness to this that to me, I can't get over. And I completely, I do 100% completely understand the looking at this and being like, how can you not empathize with this person? Like I said at the beginning, she's clearly had a very tough life, you know, basically from at least publicly what we know from the age of 16 forward when she was on 16 and pregnant and then teen mom. I am not bashing her as a person in any way. I don't know her. I feel quite bad for her, to be totally honest with you. But when I listen to this versus Gex, when I listen to Gex, it feels as though and I'm not going to say that there's not thought put into what Farrah Abraham was doing, because clearly there was thought put into it. There's recorded evidence that there was thought the way that she did the vocals. And then there was she wanted to then slap auto tune on it. Then the way that she wanted to, you know, do the vocals separate and all that. So I'm not going to say that there's not thought put into what Farrah Abraham did with my teenage dream ended. But there is a lack of self-awareness in the album. My teenage dream ended versus something like a thousand gex that I cannot jump over the hurdle and go not only do i dislike this this is something that i don't even want to appreciate in that way i it's an it's an interesting argument i guess though so what is the the dichotomy where you you are then not moved by it it's just it doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel uh, you know what i mean so if we're saying, okay, there's a lack of self-awareness, my counter-argument would be that's because it actually is very earnest, which is kind of why I right. I, I am willing to engage with it is because she's actually trying to, to tell us something. She's doing the it. very best she can to expose, like, the depth, the deepest, darkest parts of her soul. Like, the stuff that she's been holding on, she's really doing her best. And her vocabulary might be a little more limited than some other folks, we could say. I don't know, but I think she does a real, like, with what she knows at this time in her life and just the kind of, the kind of trauma that she's endured, like it makes sense to me still like to sit and read what she's talking about. It's still like affecting. I don't care about that though. When I'm listening to it, I don't care about that. I'm listening to it for what it is for me. And I don't care about that when I'm listening to this album. I don't. Well, you you don't care, Sorry. care about it. What's so, I mean like the lyrics are there the themes are there. Right. It's just you. You are you are just saying I want to listen to music that sounds good. 
basically, it's just I can't get over okay. how this sounds. Okay, basically. okay, no, okay. I, that's you okay. Know, you know, you know what? Honestly, if the argument is I don't like how it sounds, that I guess I am more willing to not challenge as much. I think. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly. I listen. I'm a trash man. I listen to a lot of trash. Uh, <laughs> I'm the garbage man. man. <laughs> I'm the garbage man's here, maybe. But yeah, I just for me, it just seems like yeah, the Gex and the PC music and kind of this this cultural reappreci- reappreciation we're seeing on the fringes of pop for styles and uh, sounds that were previously despised. Uh, yeah, like Gex have been big in bringing back nightcore and bringing back like. Um, I see stars, which was like an electronic screamo band. This feels like that, but without that a little bit winking reappreciation. And I think that that sure. just hearing someone decide that that dubstep sound was the right thing for this song to me, I don't know. I'm just like uh, chef's kiss. It like, feels like <laughs> their their mind t- tbh. <laughs> no, big time. It feels like the genesis of like the current kind of movement. And in a way that I think is like just fascinating to consider. And once you get past that for me and you're like listening to the music, you're like, no, I can like dance and move to this, which is really what it like. It sounds good to me also because like, I think I have just like a broken brain probably. Um, and stuff that does sound interesting. It's like, well, um, at least it sounds interesting, you know, like it doesn't sound like just the regular noise that's going through my brain most of the time. Um, yeah, I, I, it sounds good to me. That's, and it, you know, Noah, if it doesn't, can't, can't convince you otherwise. I think like, that's pretty set. You yeah. Know? I don't, I don't want you guys to convince me otherwise. You guys can enjoy it. And no, I can no, think but, it's the worst we're, thing we're, we've covered we're on this show. We're trying to expand it. the discussion of why we yeah. both feel our <laughs> separate ways. No, that's fair. That's 100% I guess fair. I will say, and it seems like we've kind of reached an impasse here where I don't really know whether me and Mason <laughs> continuing to talk about it or you continuing to not want to talk about it will bring anything to the table. <laughs> My final thought is that I, I will admit that I do not honestly know if I had come across this on some, like, nat, more nat, I mean, I guess it's still natural the way I just like, if this had just come on, I don't know if... I would have been approaching it with the I and no, you do make a good point with like that that yeah. kind of pretense of wanting to like it. I did first yeah. hear about this album in like 2015, 2016 on Rachel Music. And so it's like reading all these rave reviews. I think, yes, yeah, subconsciously that pro- at least subconsciously, that probably primed me to want to enjoy it so I could be feel like a part of that. Um, but then, you know, that that's a difficult thing to unpack. So I do acknowledge that, that there is probably some kind of um uh, you know, cult mentality uh, about, around this album in the sense mm-hmm. that if you're someone who uh, finds it by recommendation, you're then inclined to enjoy it. I, sure. That said, I think that for kind of, what, do I recommend this or not? Uh, I believe it's an Abraham Lincoln quote. If you like this sort of thing, this will be the sort of thing you like. Uh, that would be my, that would be my, <laughs> my, my statement. I think that if you are an internet cretin that is looking to, hear things that are just going to make you slap your face and say, what the fuck is up? I think that this is that album for you. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is up? Fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> this, boomer. this is a Mark this is Maron, a Mark album, Maron ass sure. album. Uh, no, but truly, <laughs> if you like the Gex, you got to pay respects to Fair. I do think there are genuinely a lot of sonic similarities there. You'll probably appreciate. And I think that um, 
obviously if you are not you know it it's okay if you don't like this album but i think that if you have a broken brain there is something you will appreciate about this absolutely that's this is my recommend new cat recommendation category on the show this is a broken brain recommendation it's a broken brain wreck <laughs> yeah uh no like um friend of this podcast Marin Moreno reached out and said that she really liked this and was excited for us to talk about it. it's one of her favorites of hers she also commented on our Instagram post saying Alex Glass whom, which I thought was really funny. Yes. Which is <laughs> yeah. Just little, little, little hello there to the Crystal Castles. Um, the former incarnation, the new one, not yeah. so good. Yeah. Not so much, not so much. Um, yeah, no, this is a broken brain. If you like it, this kind of stuff, you will like it. Recommendation for me. Like, I really, like, you can't. You can't argue against Noah's position, which is valid, and I'm sure is shared by most people that will listen to it based off of a recommendation, you know. just I will say, like, mm-hmm. recommended this to someone this past week. They instantly loved it. So <laughs> there, there are people Well, out you there. never know. Exactly. So that's there are the people thing. out there who just can't reach. I don't know. I, I feel like we have... It's... it's <laughs> I would never, I would not say that this is the worst thing that we've ever recommended, but it's also the one on this podcast that I kind of have to like kind of with kid gloves recommend more than anything else on the show. Um, Just because, you know, Noah made, Noah's made the most convincing, one of the most convincing cases for it, which is just simply, I don't like how it sounds. And you'll know probably from the top. Yeah, that's like how this no sounds. No one doesn't like it. It's Who okay. cares? No one has to like it. No one has to like it. But um, I think that there's something here. If you can like, if you're, if it, I think there's something here. I think that it's an interesting um, bit of like kind of ground zero genesis for later um, works, even if it was kind of created on accident that way. I like that it's also like a bit of transmedia where it came with a, a, a memoir and you're supposed yeah, to like kind the, of the memoir is actually it. the more the actual yeah, it's a more, and it's also like the more interesting the necessary context of that is that this is like a memoir, like kind of her journal entries um, which is, I, you know, I, I journal a lot. I don't want anyone to read my journals ever. And the fact that she uh, made that stuff uh, publicly available. Mason, is... I think that it's time for you to record your teenage dream ending. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's about time. Um, yeah, I... My L.A. My dream, LA dream, dream yeah, ending. Yeah. And, it's, and it's just auto-tuned remixes of all of these podcasts. <laughs> that actually, that'll be that fun. I will be giving a full Patreon recommend. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There we go. I like that. Uh, I like but that. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, I played this for my roommate and he was interested in it. So you would kind of, I guess, be surprised. But really, it is if you have a broken brain, um, like me, you'll probably think this album is good. I guess Noah just has a nice, nice together, mushy brain. So that's why he, he yeah, doesn't like this album. It's together, but it's yeah. smooth. Yeah. So that's, our that's the idiot consolation. friend Noah clearly is in the wrong here. <laughs> the sequel to our idiot brother, our yeah. idiot friend Noah, our idiot our podcast idiot host. <laughs> so I'm about to. Uh, I think I'm actually about to flip your guys' lids with what I'm about to say. Okay, oh, this is uh, the most evil podcast we've ever recorded. <laughs> So when I was really in my feels about this and I was feeling pretty heated that we had to listen to it for for the pod, I said, I I wrote this down. This is verbatim, but I don't feel this way anymore. So this is what I wrote at the time. This is so bad that I can't even give it a do not recommend. So I will be giving it the unprecedented rating of evil farts. That is what I wrote down. 
All right. All right. This is the first yeah. evil yeah. fart album. <laughs> it's on the list. Oh, it's on the list. I don't feel that way in retrospect, though. I'm actually going to give this a conditional recommend, and oh it is for the God. reasons okay. <laughs> that you guys are saying. Because if someone who is inclined to like these kinds of things were to come across this, I can see why someone would like it for all the reasons that you guys outlined. That being said, I could see how someone could come across this and absolutely say what I said, which is this is the worst thing we've ever talked about on this show. So for those reasons, for the, we both feel you and Mason and myself, we feel very strongly. Yeah, that is true. That, it's yes. an album. It's that a polarizing is, again, album. It, kind of like Nacho Libre. It's hard to just be like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, this is just like Nacho Libre now that I think about it. So I'm going to flip that evil fart rating into a, into a conditional recommend for Farah Abraham's oh, My boy. Teenage Dream Ended. Wow. And genuinely way- shocking. <laughs> Genuinely shocking. I thought you were going to do a conditional yeah. do not recommend on that guy. Just throw a little extra little little spice in the yeah, stew. Like there. a raisin. Like a raisin for spice. For spice. Like a raisin <laughs> for spice. Listen, listen to my uh, appearance on Noah's uh, podcast, my favorite podcast about Norm's Diner. And yes, unfollow me on Instagram. It's the greatest recorded podcast of all time, folks. Genuinely. <laughs> it might be, honestly, in a, in a crazy way. Um, what was I? I was going to say something about throwing in a raisin for spice. I don't know. Uh, this podcast or this podcast made me feel like my brain fair. is broken, That's to be fair. totally That's honest. Fair. So maybe now I'll listen to my teenage yeah. dream ended and be like, fuck, I said all the wrong <laughs> things on Mike. But Thomas, thank you so much for rejoining this us been, on this, this has show. Been a pleasure. Uh, please, I, I'm calling it now. I think we got to do holiday special love exposure, four hours long. <sighs> Honestly, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. Right. <laughs> you have a very Holy cautious okay. amount of interest in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the four hour thing is crazy. But you know what? Listen, we got a lot of time on our hands. We'll see. I have so uh, little time. Thomas is right. I don't have as much time, but I think I have a little more than Thomas. <laughs> yeah, and I have so much fucking time on my hands right now. Um Thomas, is there anything you want to plug before um, we say goodbye to the folks? I would home? plug, yeah. The Little Chef Collective zine will be happening. I'm trying to raise some money for a good cause. Again, it is a recipes from, I believe we have 22 of my friends that they wanted to submit. Uh, I'm, I have to learn Adobe InDesign. I'm currently in the process of that, but uh, we will be outlining that and then getting some art. Uh, so we're shooting for, I would say, end of September, but that seems uh, ambitious. So we're gonna, now we're going to say mid-October uh, for when this will there be out. Go. Other than that, follow Merry Round Magazine at MGR Magazine. Again, I am no longer the editor-in-chief, but I still do a lot of copy editing, and I am the it's broke, go fix it guy. So if you want to, if you like yes, your brain, yeah, <laughs> if, 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 uh, but genuinely, CJ, the new editor-in-chief, has uh, already almost tripled traffic, and the amount of good articles that are coming out of there right now is insane. I would definitely go recommend, objectively, because I, I don't, uh, yeah, objectively at this point, I don't have as much of a stake in it. There is really good writing happening there. Um, special shout outs to Haley Bergeson's uh, anniversary piece on the film Wanda. Other than that, I would say, um, fo- yeah, if you like looking at food pictures that are okay looking, follow me on Instagram at, <laughs> at 100 underscore chefs. Uh, you can also unfollow me if you hated this podcast as happened. To- <laughs> And if you want to see some really bad things, you can also follow me on Twitter <laughs> under that handle. 
Yeah, Thomas literally, this is an example of the tweet that you can see, which I did I did not like this tweet, both in real life and on Twitter.com. <laughs> and it was, eating lunch is the new cocaine. Yes. <laughs> so that's what you're that's in for. That's true. When you People really responded to that one. <laughs> um, oh, yes, follow my Gek, uh, 100 Gex fan page at Geckhead on Instagram. And I don't know. Uh, have a have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can follow this podcast on Twitter uh, at it's on underscore the list or no, that's the Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at it's on underscore the list. You can follow us on Twitter at it's on the list pod. You can send us an email. Yeah, but no one no has. One has. Yet. I would so be surprised what the people got this far in the show, actually. But <laughs> you can you can send us an email if you want. Everybody wants to the number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. It's on the list with Noah and Mason. Or everybody wants to the number two. Get on the list. Uh, what is the? That's what you type in on the address yep. bar, right? Like or Facebook just, it's slash on the list of podcast. It's on the list with Noah and Mason. I think it's on Facebook. You can find it there. Uh, or do Facebook.com slash everybody wants to, the same. As the email is the domain for the Facebook page, but uh, yes, that's where we are. And uh, you can follow me. On, oh, I'm sorry. Thomas, I go think for it. that to activate your email, to get a little juice flowing in the veins, you should email Farah Abraham and bring her on with this same panel to discuss oh. this album again. I mm. think that'd be great. Bonus that's... content for the Patreon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that literally think I think I just like burst my toenail open. I think is what just happened. But I'm down. I'm down. I would like to. I would like to see yeah. what she's up to right now. Uh, ask her if she's got any plans for a, a yeah. follow up album. Well, she released a yeah. single in 2014, "Blowing." Right? Really? I did not. I've not heard that one actually. Yeah, I believe that she released a single in 2014 called "Blowing." So I will listen to that right now. Right, right now. I'm going right to listen right to it right now. Which is <laughs> <laughs> my that's my evil fart voice. I'm going that's to listen to it right now. It sounds like like the Mucinex commercial, like when <laughs> Booger is like talking. This is my evil fart Booger voice. <laughs> so yeah, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Noah.Marjorie. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Moenarger. Uh, you can follow YLG on Instagram at YLG.world. You can listen to my other podcast, a podcast about people's favorite things called My Favorite Things. If you haven't caught up, you can listen to Thomas's episode about Norm's Diner, the Southern California diner staple. Coming out this week, we have the Lady Gaga expose. We have Nikki Reifler on the pod talking oh, about... Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. <laughs> talking about art pop specifically, but then also Lady Gaga oh, as a whole. That so, is, I'm gen- genuinely excited for that episode. That will be out Thursday, uh, September 10th, I believe. So you can definitely get that wherever your podcasts are sold. Sold being for free because that's how the free. podcast market for works. $1 for $1. On Patreon. <laughs> Patreon for the non-existent it's on the list Patreon. Yeah. I think that's it. Mason, wrap us out. Bring us home. Slide into first base. Hot Dog DeBicky. Uh, Letterboxd, my name. The Barn, a podcast about The Shield. Uh, remind me off mic to tell you guys my Bosch story. Uh, that's a sh- shout out to the My Favorite Podcast episode. Tell it on, Mike. For any, no, no, no. For anyone who is carrying over <laughs> from my favorite podcast episode, I think it's got to be on. So my last ever PA gig 
was on an episode of Bob. That's an amazing connection. <laughs> Can't believe yeah. that you were gonna wait to yeah. tell us that. All uh, but I don't know. You can find me anywhere that I've said uh, things in the past. I think that our Little Chef Collective will be the little community resource this week. So we'll close out the show the same way we have been closing it out recently. Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter. Abolish defund the police. Uh, what was the other thing? Save the USPS. Uh, Give everybody a nice little blow them a kiss under uh, from above your mask. Wash your hands, all that good stuff. And we will see you all next time. Thank you, folks. Bye-bye. I think that that was actually a wholesome episode. I was expecting it to be more evil. PA gig uh, was on the show Bosch and I did just like the morning basically uh, when they were shooting around Hollywood and at like the uh, the Hollywood police station and uh, there was a guy that was at the police station while we were filming who was really in a lot of trouble and I gave him because uh, I was dead ass broke at the time five of my last dollars so he could do something and get the fuck out of there because he really needed wow. it. Um, but that was my last ever gig as big time Hollywood Mason McGuire was working on an episode of Bosch. Um, that's an amazing coda for the maybe yeah. one person yeah. that's listed. Uh, but I don't episodes. know. Yeah, you can find true. me anywhere that I've said.